Good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I am Ken Walls and I'm your host and I have a very special guest on today. Um, I know this guy through social media and we are, we actually are kind of neighbors. He lives not too far from me, like maybe 30, 45 minutes, but um, I want to welcome my buddy, Ken, Mr. Biz Wentworth to the show. Ken, welcome to the show. Hey, Ken. It's good to see you. Thanks for having me. Dude, I, I, I may be biased, but I think you have the very best first name ever. Uh, you know, I was going to say the same thing about you. <laughs> Funny how that works. I know. So you live right down the road from me. Pretty much. Yeah. I said probably half hour, 45 minutes, maybe something like that. Yeah. Or actually, yeah. probably not even that because you're, or, I can't remember if you're, are you still over in Powell? No, 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 hey. no. No, I'm up up north of there. Up north, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. yeah. But um, so so you know, I started this show a couple of years ago now um, to help people have a breakthrough because we all get stuck in life and and um, don't know how to fix it, figure it out, work it out, whatever. And and so um, you know, this is about helping people break through the problems they're having in life. So let's start with um, you telling everybody where you were born and raised. I was born and raised in the booming metropolis of Mingo Junction, Ohio. So uh, shout out to the Mingo Indians there, uh, which we don't even, our high school is not even in existence anymore. Uh, it's been consolidated with a sister school, but uh, small steel mill town in Eastern Ohio, um, right along the border, uh, about 35 minutes from Pittsburgh. Oh, wow. Um, born and raised there. First person in my family to go to college and all that. I'm, I went to the big city to come to Columbus to go to school at Capital University. Nice. Uh, but yeah, it was blue collar. I mean, it was um, pretty much the, the career path there, especially for, for men, was you graduated high school, you got into the mill, you worked in the mill for whatever, 40 years and you retired. And uh, that's that's how my grandfather, my dad, my uncles, I mean, everybody, that was just sort of the way of life. And I figured out pretty quickly. My I'll tell you, it was funny. My dad uh, snuck me into the mill when I was in seventh or eighth grade. Because, of course, when you're a little kid, you know, you want to be what your dad is, right? So I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to work in a mill. My dad snuck me into the mill and showed me how terrible it was. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure he showed me the bad part, you know, the worst parts of it. But he was like, you know, you see that guy over there? Do you want to do that for 40 years every single day of your life? You know, so I mean, he, was, was, he was trying to encourage you to not do that. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Good, good, good. Go dad. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So, so you, uh, so you went to school over there, high school, um, all that, and then ended up at Capital University. Now that's a, that's a, that's pretty well known for a law school though. Yeah. So my undergrads in accounting, um, went over there primarily. So, uh, from a sports perspective, um, wasn't good enough to play division one basketball. So I wanted to go, <laughs> go over there. Yeah. But um, it, it, I loved it. I mean, I wanted to have a small private school. Um, a lot of my friends were going to Ohio State, so I was close to them. I wanted a small school, but I wanted to be close to a big enough city to where I could do internships and things like that, which ended up being uh, very uh, fortuitous and very, very helpful for me because I was able to do some internships while I was at Capital, which helped propel my career and all that good stuff. So ended yeah. up being a good decision for me. So, so after, uh, and, and I assume you graduated college. I did. I did. Yes. Okay. Um, so after, after college, what, um, what'd you do after? And what was your degree was in accounting? 
was in accounting. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. I, again, great advice I got uh, from the person I had an internship with. I, my original major was business administration because I knew I wanted to do something in business, but I didn't know exactly what. Right. So I thought business administration is perfect, right? I'll take a little bit of everything. And he said, that's awful. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Who said, said that? This guy I had an internship with, Roger Lossie, oh. I'm still connected with him, uh, helped me tremendously because he said, here's what's going to happen. If you know you want to do something in business, go into accounting. And I'm like, I'm not like, that's just too much for me. It's too much in the weeds, everything. He said, no, you don't understand. Business administration, you're going to have, you'll be a jack of all trades, master of none. Right. So he said, and I, I remember this very, he said it very bluntly. He said, so you're going to get out of school. You're not going to have enough accounting classes to get a job in accounting. You won't have enough to get a job in marketing because you only take a couple of classes. So you only take a couple of classes of all these disciplines. So you won't have enough in any one to get a job in that discipline. He said, so you know what you're going to do? You're going to be a, a manager at Payless Shoes. That's what you're going to do with your college degree. Oh. Uh, and, there's, and there's nothing wrong with that. But he said, you don't you don't need to go to college. To, yes, to be there a is. I disagree. There's a lot wrong with that. <laughs> no, I'm saying he was. He said, "Look, if you're going to go to college, you you know you, you could do you could become a manager at Payless without going to college. Don't waste your time going to college if that's what you want to do. Right. But if you're going to go to college, make sure that's something meaningful, and you're going to be able to do something with your degree when you get out, not just you know to take a job that you could you know get otherwise. So, yeah, sure. So I changed to accounting reluctantly, but again, absolutely fantastic advice because he was exactly right. I got out of school, worked a couple years in accounting. Again, knew that that really wasn't really the long-term path for me, um, but then used that to move into finance and then ran some operations groups, was an investment analyst, um, did all kinds of different things, um, all because I had that good base of accounting um, behind me. And at some point uh, while I was going through my career, went back, got my master's degree in financial management. Um, and so- in what In what management? Financial management. Okay. Jeez. Wow. So, so- and and this is where where were you working? Like, I was working at uh, so I got asked, so this is another part of my background, right? So growing up in that steel mill town where it's you get a job, you work there for forty years, and you retire. That was yeah. my mentality coming out of college. Is I wanted to find a place where I could work and work there forever and retire. Um, again, completely counter to where the way you know the job market and careers yeah. have evolved um, recently, but. That was my mindset. So I, I came out of school, had a couple of job offers, ended up working at Bank One here uh, locally in Columbus because I knew that was a big company. I could probably stay there and bounce around, do different things, et cetera. And then uh, left there, went to uh, JP Morgan Chase actually before they bought Bank One and uh, ended up you know, going through that the paces there again, doing all those different sorts of roles all under that same umbrella of JP Morgan Chase, ended up getting up to where I was in the top uh, 3% of people in the company. And that's when I decided I was gonna leave. <laughs> Good Lord have mercy. So, so, um, so you made it to, and this was JP Morgan, mm -hmm. um, Chase, and yep. you made it to the top, so to speak. Yeah. Ironically enough. So I was in the top 3% when my boss told me that I was going to, he was going to promote me into the top 1%. Um, Jeez. A cir circle of other events. I was like, I got to leave. I, this is not, I can have a better, bigger impact. I can help more people. Um, it's not going to happen here. And I knew they were going to put more pressure on me to relocate outside of Columbus and move to London or New York City. And, you know, we've got three kids. And it's like that wasn't really in the cards. I didn't want to do that. And so I decided at that point that I'm going to leave. So the next time I went back to New York, I sat down with my boss and I said, hey, you know, I'm going to 
I just want to let you know I'm going to resign. And he, he got up and he closed the door and he's like, that's not usually the conversation I have when I tell someone <laughs> that's 1% of the company, right? And I, so I explained to him my logic behind it. And I said, you know, I'd had two revenue producing ideas that, and then that three or four month period right before that, that had been shelved because of some bureaucracy, red tape, et cetera. And it's like, I knew that was going to continue to happen. And so, you know, it was just frustrating. And again, I was like, I know I've developed this expertise. I know I can help more people. And by the way, Ken, I didn't even know what I do now was a thing because I was so ingrained wow. in the corporate world. So I didn't even know what a fractional CFO was or anything like that. So, wow. So, so you, um, I mean, you had to be, I would think, how long ago was that that you resigned from Chase? Uh, 2015. I mean, you had to be way into six figures. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they paid me well. Uh, and I have nothing bad to say. I mean, the company was fantastic with me. And even when I exited, um, you know, he kept me around. My boss kept me around. My replace I said, well, I don't even, I told him, I said, I don't even want to do next. So I'll stick around as long as you need until uh, you find a replacement. That was in March. And I ended up not leaving. I, I resigned uh, effective December 1st. He kept me around. I got to the point where I was doing absolutely nothing. And oh I kept telling him, and I, but I couldn't move forward and do anything because of my fiduciary uh, relationship ties to JP Morgan. Yeah. And so it was actually getting frustrating for me. Well, he was keeping me around so he could pay me a bonus, which he didn't <laughs> tell me that. Wow. Yeah. So complete opposite of what you typically hear from the big companies, right? Um, and that's why he literally got a hold of me in the middle of uh, November. And he said, so are you ready to resign? And I'm like, yeah, I've been ready to resign like six months, you know? And he said, well, send me an email, a resignation, just made a couple sentences and make sure it's effective December 1st. And I'm like, that's oddly specific. As a matter of fact, I think it was even like that was a Sunday or something. Wow. So I'm like, that's really weird. Well, I had to be on the payroll on December 1st in order to receive a bonus. Dude. And so he didn't even tell me then. Wow. So the middle of January, you know, he and I still communicated pretty often. And middle yeah. of January, my phone, my cell phone rings and it's it's my old boss. I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going on. He said, hey, you're going to notice next week there's going to be a deposit in your account. You know, I gave you a bonus for, for your contributions. He said, it's not your normal size bonus, but, you know, you helped us so much, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, this never happens, right? You never wow. hear this kind of stuff happening. And And, and, and not to mention... I've had, I've had a, uh, you know, I've had some people on the show that talked about, um, they left a six figure job and they, you know, to go out and pursue, I mean, dude, most people that are making, I'm going to assume 250, 300 or so a year, uh, is, is gotta be in the, or so, <laughs> or I, so. Said, I said, or so, right, right. Uh, that, that, you know, that, dude, that's a serious comfort level. <laughs> I mean, it really is, right? Yeah, and the interesting part is I've always been very entrepreneurial. And so I always knew that I wanted to do my own thing at some point. But what happened was that was early in my career. And so I figured early on, I'm like, I got to get some experience, learn about the world, the business world, everything, right? And then I got to a point where my career accelerated so quickly that now I'm making a good bit of money. So now I have a huge income to replace, right? Whereas when I first started out, I wasn't making crap. It would have been easy to replace that income. So I got sort of over that hump very quickly. And that's like, well, geez, how can I replace this? Like, this is not good. But having been in that position for long enough, had accumulated some wealth and things like that to where, you know, I had some cushion and, and all that kind of stuff yeah. uh, to be able to 
take the finally get back over the hump again to where I could say, okay, I've got some, I've got some, some reserves here that I can, I can figure out what I'm going to do. And what then, did your wife say? Funny. You should ask that Ken. Um, so <clears throat> when You're I decided, like, well, I went and saw an attorney, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I left. Uh, so my boss is on a 48th floor um, and I left his office and on the elevator ride down, this is in uh, Midtown Manhattan uh, Park Avenue I had to leave the building for my next meeting. So in the elevator ride down from the 48th floor down to the you know ground floor, that's when I decided I was going to resign. And so I get to the airport that night. I'm at LaGuardia <clears throat> and uh, told her, I said, you know, Mark's going to put me up for managing director. She's like, oh, my gosh. You know, I should mention my wife's a nurse, complete non-business you know, person. And she said, oh, my God, your hard work. That's fantastic. And I said, by the way, I'm going to leave. <laughs> and she said, so, oh, oh, your plane's leaving. You, you, you got to go. I'm like, no, I'm going to resign. Dead silence on the end of the phone. She said, um, "Did you get to the airport early? Have you been drinking?" <laughs> I said, uh, "No." And she said, "Well, how about you take a nap on the plane ride home, and let's talk about this when you get home because something right. doesn't not sound right here." So, and once I explained it to her when I got home, she said, "You know, what are you going to do?" I said, "I have no idea." I said, "But I, I know I'll figure it out." You know. Did she know you would figure it out? Uh, she, she, I think she did. Yeah. I mean, she, she was very supportive. She didn't, she didn't hesitate whatsoever. She said, if that's what you need to do, do it. And I, you know, I've um, been able to accomplish some things. I, I've uh, was a competitive power lifter and broke some world records. And so I know what, I mean, I know a lot of people, I call it fake in the funk. A lot of people talk the talk, don't walk the walk. Right. Yeah. A lot of people say, man, I'm in, I'm committed. And they're not really committed. I mean, they're, 75% committed. I know what it's yeah. like and I know what it takes to be truly all in committed on things. And I don't say that in a brag bragging way. I just mean I knew that I had that in me from not only my business career but from, you know, my my athletic competitive career of of making the necessary sacrifices to be successful. And right. so I knew that and I draw upon those all the time of the fact that I was able to break some world records and you know, even silly things like I, when I was a competitive powerlifter, you know, they have weight classes and you have you weigh in 24 hours ahead of time. I just I figured out really quickly that that was a huge advantage. So let me yeah. figure out how to manipulate my weight the best I can. I got to the point where I lost 17 pounds in 24 hours one time making weight. What? Yeah. So I, you, you, it's ancient Chinese secret, Ken. Uh, <laughs> Lord, 17 but, pounds in 24 hours, 24 hours. Dude, and I regularly what? would cut between about 12 to 14 pounds. But that particular time I had to drop 17 in a day, but knowing that that, that mental, the discipline it takes to do that and knowing that I had that and that I had been able to tap into that. I'm like, I know I, when I figure out what I'm going to do, I'm full steam ahead and I'm going to make it happen. I mean, I just and knew I, it. I was all proud of dropping 29 pounds during 75 days. Holy crap, man. Well, it's all I, it's temporary. It's temporary. It's all temporary, right? So it's all it's it's water weight manipulation because I weigh in, I have 24 hours to rehydrate and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. Um, that's all part of the process. But you know, knowing that I have that in me and I can tap into that, I knew once I figured it out. Now the question was, what was it gonna be? Right? right. I had to figure that out. What was it, what was I going to do next? So <clears throat> And that so you left JP Morgan Chase making million dollars a year. <laughs> not, not not quite that much, no. I'm kidding. Doing well, doing well. Doing well. 
way into six figures. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Um, and, and you didn't even know what you were going to do. No, no. I, I did, again, I was always entrepreneural. Um, I, and have you fact, seen, I, a, have you seen a psychologist for this problem? <laughs> for my issues? Um, I'm just playing. Yeah. So no. that, dude, that's incredible though, to, to walk away from such a high paying job where you could literally spend 20 years there, retire a multimillionaire and, and, and have a pretty decent existence on this planet. Yeah. One of the things I say all the time, Ken, is I am strategic to a fault. So I'm always thinking out three and five years. And I say to a fault because <clears throat> while it's good, sometimes that I'm thinking that far out. I, I'm It's to a fault because I'm so focused on that that I trip over the curb that's right in front of me. <laughs> yeah. So I was, you know, in that part of my decision process with that was thinking out those three to five years and what's this going to look like. So here in Columbus, in central Ohio, JP Morgan Chase time had about 20,000 employees. Yeah. But only 15 people out of those 20,000 were at that level I was going to be at. And a lot of those jobs were IT related jobs, wow. things not in my wheelhouse. So, again, what am I going to do next? Right. You know, I'm going to be the next job I take, next position I take, I'm going to be stuck there probably until I retire. And that was not something I wanted to deal with. You know, I, I, again, and, and so now, OK, they're going to say, OK, well, we want to promote you. We want to do this. We want to do that but you need to move to New York city or we need you to go to London or, and again, yeah. with the kids and all that stuff, it's like, I, that, I don't want to have that conversation. Um, the interesting part about having that conversation is when I'm telling people, I don't want to raise kids in New York city. They go, hmm, well, I was raised in New York city and I'm raising kids in New York city. What's wrong with that? Right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't mean to offend you. Right. Triggered. Yeah. You triggered, yeah. You triggered them. So, yeah. so, so you, you left, you left there had no idea what you were going to do. Um, you didn't even have an, I like a business, like, man, I could sell hot dogs on, on the, like nothing. No, <laughs> like, no. Again, okay. I'd always thought about and kicked around the ideas in my head. As a matter of fact, I'd, I'd given myself a deadline. When I finished my master's degree, uh, JP Morgan paid for it. And you had to stay two years after you finished your degree in yeah. order to not have to pay it back. And so when I did that, I said, okay, I've got two years to figure out what I'm going to do, what, you know, what company I'm going to start, what business I'm going to start. And in two years, I'm going to leave. As soon as my time is up and I don't have to pay back for my master's degree, I'm going to leave. Well, the time was up in 2008. Well, as you know, right, the, the, the economic markets went upside down in 2008. Yeah. I had to do a lot of cool stuff. So I got tapped on the shoulder to say, we have a problem over here. Fix this. Yeah. Oh, no, we have, a, we have a fire over here. Go over and fix this. So it was super cool. I was yeah. doing all kind of cool stuff. So that I kind of put, you know, leaving leaving there on the back burner for seven years until 2015 when I finally said, okay, enough's enough. Um, you know, those two revenue generating ideas that got shelved, I'm like, okay, this is the writing on the wall. This, these are the signs I was looking for. Let's do this. Let's just make it happen. So so you left there again. I, 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 you didn't know what you were going to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've done that where I allowed my emotions to, to control the situation, right? Like, oh, what you're going to, you're going to talk to me like that. I'm out of here and right. you know, walking out. So <clears throat> I, you know, I don't think I've ever done anything as, um, I mean, you planned it, 
<laughs> kinda, kinda. <laughs> but you didn't, you didn't know what you were going to do. And that is phenomenal. So I, I, my hat's off to you. Um, what did you do? So you left there and then, then what, what happened next? So I literally, it's interesting. I never really, um, had a, a career mentor per se. I mean, I had people I talked to here periodically, but so I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. Right. And so I ended up talking to a guy that trained with me, um, one of his friend's dad, who I, I never even met his friend. He's like, you got to talk to this guy. He's in commercial real estate, um, veteran, you know, na no name around central Ohio, very well connected. You need to go talk to him. Well, this guy ends up basically becoming my mentor. Uh, tremendous, tremendous guy. Um, and what we ended up doing was we sat down and it's it sounds so logical now, but I'm very disappointed. It, think, looking back now, I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't think of it beforehand because it sounds so logical. But we we went into a conference room in his office, and he had this giant whiteboard that you know was super wide, mm -hmm. probably ten feet wide. And he started on the left side of the whiteboard, and he said, "What was your first job?" And I'm like, "Okay, when I got out of school." And he was, like, "No, no, 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 no. You're, the first thing you did that you got paid for." Mm. Okay. Um, I honestly, this is going to date me, but I, I said, I delivered newspapers. Yeah. He said, okay, what did, give me three things you liked about delivering newspapers and tell me three things you didn't like about it. Okay. What was the next job you had? Oh, well, I mowed lawns. Oh, well, you know, three things, three things, right? We went through yeah. every position that I'd ever had in my entire career. Started on the left side and worked our way all the way over to the right side of this giant whiteboard. And then he gets done. He steps back and he's like, okay, so here, this is common. This is showing up. This is showing up. This, you know, so he says, okay, simple. We need to find you a job where you do these three things and you don't do these three things. Wow. I said, I said, okay, well, what the heck is that? Like, you know, cause again, I didn't even know, you know, what a fractional CFO was. I had no right. idea. And he said, neither do I. <laughs> right, right. Right. That's what a lot of people say, right? You know, we're going to get to that. Yeah. So he said, you need to be a CFO for like six or eight businesses. And I said, well, how the heck do you do that? Like being CFO for one business is a 70 hour a week job. Right. He said, no, you know, think about it. You're a small business owner and you're really good at what you do. You're, you're really good at plumbing or you're really good at creating these widgets, manufacturing these widgets, but you don't have the business background. You don't have the financial background. And so that's limiting your business and your ability to be more profitable, more efficient, et cetera. And so you help them on a part-time basis. So they, they might not be large enough to where they need a full-time CFO right. and they might not be able to afford a full-time full CFO either. So you can come in with your 20 years of experience and they could hire you at a, you know, at a part on a part-time basis. And I'm like, geez, that makes a lot of sense. You know, now that I think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Gee, why didn't I think of that? Right. Mm. Um, and we went through, you know, so he said, go get one client and see if you like it, because he said, it's going to be a big change for you because yeah. Your entire career has been all white collar, right? You're dealing with bankers, highly educated people, things like that. And he said, you are going to be dealing with, you know, a lot of blue collar people in, in most situations. Now, again, going all the way back, thinking of my upbringing of steel mill town, I mean, right. blue collar is where I was, where I came from and what I am, you know? So I'm like, I think I'll be fine. I got that first client. It was about maybe two weeks in, I'm driving home from the client and it was just, that aha moment, like the, ah, oh, you know, it's like, yeah, honestly, it was like this, I know for sure, this is what I'm on earth right now to do. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. How did you, so, but how did you, 
how do I put this? How did you convince your first client that they needed a part-time CFO? It was honestly, here's another funny thing. So I didn't even have a LinkedIn account. Like I was at Chase, wow. you know, JP Morgan Chase. LinkedIn was the 260,000 coworkers I had, right? I didn't yeah. worry about that, right. you know, because I was assuming that I probably was going to be. So, um, gosh, probably in August of 2015, I'm like, I probably ought to get a LinkedIn account. It seems to be kind of important. <laughs> <laughs> so I create a LinkedIn account and I start networking. Like, okay, I've, I've heard of this networking thing. I probably should start doing this. Wow. And that's what happened. It was It was a friend of a friend said, hey man, um, this guy just lost the GM of his small manufacturing company. And would you be willing to fill in on an interim basis and basically run the run it for him? He's out, he's out of town. Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's just I sat down with him and he said, Well, I don't know if I can afford you. And I said, Well, let's I, I just want to get a client. So let's do this. And so, but it was so rewarding for me that uh and again, not being not bragging or whatever, I just have a knack for this kind of thing. And I always have. I mean, it drives my, my wife nuts. I mean, we'll go out somewhere. It's I'll, We'll be walking around Menards or Home Depot or something like that. And I'll be like, why do they have that positioned over there? Like that product ties in with that product. Those should be together. You know? Yeah. And my wife's like, I'll go on this 90 second rant and my wife will just be looking at me and she'll say, does your brain hurt? Because like, my, hurt I, I, dude, my wife does that. She does that. She <laughs> yeah. was in retail forever, and like, mm. she sees that, and it makes her crazy. And I'm like, stop, right? Like, right. but you the, don't work for the Home Depot, <laughs> right? Right. But it, it's like my, I can't. That's just how my brain thinks. I'm always thinking about new ideas, new potential products, um, revenue for this type of business. What? How can you drive more revenue for this type of business? What cost controls do you need to make sure you have a place? I've always sort of had that mindset um, and I'm just wired that way. So, I, you know, it's been very rewarding, especially over the years as I've gotten more and more clients. You know, at first, I'm not going to lie. You know, you wonder, like, can I really help these people? Right. right? I, I know I've developed some expertise, but gosh, they're in business already and they've obviously been successful. They've been in business for whatever, 10 years, 12, 15, 20 years. They must be doing something right. So right. can I really add value? I don't, I don't, I think I can, but I'm not sure. And so it's so awesome to go in and go, oh my gosh. You know, a lot of times what happens as owners, you get in that, this is the way we've always done it mindset. And so you yeah. don't, you know, open up enough or you just, you know, a lot of, I've got one business owner that's been a client of mine almost since the beginning, um, who has a chimney sweep business down in Charlotte, North Carolina. He's been in business for 30 years and almost every time we meet, you know, he says to me, Ken, why, where the hell were you 10 years ago? You know how much more money I could have made and how much more, how peacefully I could have slept at night if I would have hired you 10 years ago. That's awesome, um, You know, because he, you know, he's running the business. He's got his, he's, he's neck deep in the business running it. And it's difficult to have that more strategic vision and think about, you know, again, three years, five years out and making sure that the decisions we're making today are congruent with that five-year goal. Wow. Um, because there's sometimes you can make a short-term decision that makes a lot of sense in the next six months, but is not congruent with where you want to be in five years. Right. So, right. You know, making sure that you're you've got your 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 head and your mind wrapped around those things, you're thinking about them correctly. But it's I, I love it. I love new businesses. I mean, I got some advice from someone who does what I do. He's based in Missouri, found him on LinkedIn. And I just reached out to him. I said, Hey man, can I get like 15 minutes of your time? Pick your brain a little bit. Got on the phone and he said, Here's my advice pick one industry 
for one niche and just be a CFO for that, that industry or niche. I said, well, why would you do that? He said, Ken, my job is so easy, man. He's like, I only do manufacturing. So I know when I go into a manufacturing company, I have an eight, eight steps I go through with every business and it's, I have templates build. It's just great, man. And I said, wow. well, I appreciate that advice, but I'll never do that. <laughs> he said, <laughs> he said, well, what? I said, no, part of what I love is the variety. I don't want to just be, you know, a, a CFO for manufacturing or this or that. Um, I always, you know, I, I love the variety. When, when my, the, the client I mentioned earlier, the chimney sweep business, when he first reached out to me, he said, you probably don't want to work with me because I'm just a chimney sweep business. I mm. said, well, I would love to. You need to know that I've never worked with a chimney sweep business. But what I can bring to the table is I have experience that I can bring from other industries right. that you may not have considered in your industry. And, uh, and, and not, as a matter of fact, that happened. We, we created an idea that I ended up on the stage at the National Chimney Sweep Association presenting this idea that was, you know, sort of a breakthrough in their industry that people just hadn't thought about. But, but so I love that variety. Wow. I love the challenges of each individual business. I don't want the cookie cutter approach. I mean, that's my complete non-accountant side of me that, that, yeah. I, you know, I like to have that, that variety and think of the challenges and think about, Oh, geez, you know what? We did this over here. Can we, can we do something like that in this industry? You know? So, <clears throat> I, I I have a personal question. <laughs> it's not real personal. Um, did you replace your income? Yes. Or yeah. exceed? Did you exceed it? Uh, I haven't exceeded it yet. I haven't exceeded Please. it. Yet, but uh, this year, uh, the the absolutely the goal for this year. So I, uh, I let me let me rephrase that. Yes, this year I'm going to replace it. So so you know. When it comes to, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm friends with Grant Cardone and, and Jeffrey Gittimer and some amazing people just literally got a text from Mark Victor Hansen while we're talking right now. And, you know, I, I, I know a, a lot of people in, in these high places. And one thing that I see um, that's common <clears throat> is they all are um, looking at scalability. <clears throat> so, and I'm sure you do when you're, when you're working with these, these businesses, but what about you? Cause I, I've found myself personally where it's like, yeah, I want to scale to a hundred million dollar enterprise. Right. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, sometimes you get so caught up in the weeds, the, 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 of, of running your business or working in your business that working on your business is is very very difficult at times mm -hmm. the marketing mm -hmm. and the the financial stuff and everything so yep. my question for you is what about you and scaling your business a is it something you want to do and b is there is, is there a way to do it <clears throat> yeah so i figured that out uh thankfully a couple of years ago so you know working one-on-one -on -one with clients, obviously there's only 24 hours in a day. And so I can only, I can only take on so many clients. Right. So I see you very quickly. Yeah. There's a limit to my upside there. Right. And, right. and, and as well as while that was happening is I had businesses that were um, smaller businesses that were coming to me that needed help. And I had to tell them like, honestly, as your potential future CFO, I would tell you, it's not a great financial decision for you right now. 
because you don't have the revenue to support hiring someone like me. So kind of an awkward situation, right? But yeah, all right. But I, but I want to be honest with them, right? And I'm like, you know, in the short term, it's going to be painful for you, but you know, we're gonna we're gonna scale you, we're gonna grow and things like that. But so how can I how can I help those businesses? How can I reach those businesses, scale my time, right? And make yeah. it very affordable for them. So how what does that look like? And so started trying to figure out how the heck can I do that? And so I uh, helped a couple of businesses for free and uh, you know, that, that doesn't pay so well. And, uh, <laughs> but, right. but um, so trying to figure out how I could do that. And so what I came up with was a continuity model, uh, basically a, a, a fancy way of saying a membership, right? An online membership. So uh, that's what Mr. Biz Solutions is. <clears throat> we have, um, we do zoom sessions. So I come on and do, and I got the idea from uh, Frank Kern. Frank Kern has an inner circle that is, is yeah. a continuity program. And, uh, you know, I modeled a lot of what Mr. Biz Solutions is off of, of Frank Kern's model. And so it, it enables me to scale my time. And the idea was to have sort of one-stop shopping for, for business owners. And I won't go too far into the weeds on that. I know uh, I don't want to make it sound like an infomercial or whatever, but the idea was to have like a one-stop shop for business owners. So that I come on and do Zoom sessions every month. I have a website guy. I have a marketing guy. I have a sales growth guy. I have an attorney. So they come on and do individual Zoom sessions as well. So any business owner that's part of, of Mr. Biz Solutions can come on and get those questions answered. But that was one way to scale. And the other thing is I did is I started to um, develop an online course. So I developed an online, a five-week online course called Pathway to Profits. It was the same thing that uh, the materials evergreen. Um, we cover a different topic every week. And, uh, it, you know, I could scale the heck out of that. Um, there's limited, it takes a limited, once you create all the content, which obviously there's a lot of heavy lifting involved there, it's, um, it, it enables you to, you know, scale the heck out of your business. And so uh, those are the two main ways that I'm, you know, kind of scaling my business. And I can be more, as those are scaling up, I can be much more selective, which I am pretty selective as it is, but with my one-on-one -on -one clients. Wow, dude, that's awesome, man. That's actually brilliant. So, so, um, and, and it's, it's necessary. I, and, and here, here's here, you want to hear something terrible about your marketing? Do it, do it. Tell I, me. I, I had no idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we're friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> and, and here's something else. Why am I not the website guy coming into your group talking about websites? I've only done it 26 years. Well, so, that's a good question. But where were you when I started this uh, four or five years ago? That's right. I was here. I was here. <laughs> well, guess what? I'm going to tell you about your marketing, Ken. Yeah, I know, yeah. right? <laughs> I love it, man. So <laughs> that's awesome. Touche. So, yeah. so, so you've got this thing. It sounds like on a really, really good course. Um, so let's get into. <clears throat> And it, it, it may be a little early, but whatever, we'll, we'll roll with it. Um, you know, I have, I have had some amazing people come on and, and answer this question. Um, and you are in the thick of it. So, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners watch this show and, you know, I want to know, in your opinion, in your experience thus far in the small business world, mm -hmm. what do you think it is? What's the number one thing that holds people back from massive success in their, not just their business, but in life in general? 
it's in between their ears. It's in between their ears. Um, it's, some of it is what I mentioned earlier is they, I call it faking the funk. They fake the funk. They say they're committed, but they're not really committed. Um, they don't use what I call, uh, um, uh, consistent perseverance that, that inevitable, you know, get knocked down seven times and get up eight, not enough people have that in them. And so, you know, I mentor people and I, I know you can appreciate this as well, Ken, I'm sure you would agree. There are people who want to be entrepreneurs and I can tell they don't have the, the right mindset for it. And I, oh. and I tell them like, I, look, I'm a truth teller. So be careful with the questions you ask. Right. But, and I'm just honest with them. There's others that I say, you have it. Let's go. Like, let's right. make it happen. Jump off that cliff and we'll figure it out. We'll the plane on the way down. Right. Right. Um, but there's others that I can tell they don't have that mentality. And so they're likely not going to be successful as an entrepreneur because they don't have that. And that is number one absolute requirement in my mind of an entrepreneur, because I don't care how successful you are. I don't care how smart you are. You are going to get knocked down and you're going to get knocked down a lot. You're going to make mistakes. How, how do you, what's your mindset? How do you, um, how does that affect you? Right. Are you, are you balled up underneath your desk in a fetal position for a week, you know, balling your eyes out or do you get ticked off and use it for fuel? Right. Well, okay. Hey, do you have cameras in my office or something? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, it's that, you know, that, that quote, I think it was Einstein. You know, they asked him uh, a long time ago about, you know, uh, when he was um, uh, inventing the light bulb. And they said, you know, he said it took him, I don't know, a thousand times. And he said, they said, why didn't you get discouraged? And he said, I, I found 999 ways it didn't work. Yeah, it was, um, who invented the, it wasn't Einstein that invented the light bulb. <laughs> it was, um. It was, uh, oh my God, now I can't. <laughs> couple of geniuses here. Yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't say I was yeah, a historical. I, I, I get the point, yes. yeah. The, the point, yeah, the point is, you know, you have to take that fuel. I mean, look, all these people that we deem in society as successful. Yeah. The Oprah, Oprah Winfrey was told that she'd never make it in TV, yeah. right? She yeah. said, screw that, I'm going to make it in TV. That's right. Uh, you know, uh, Howard Schultz. CEO of Starbucks was yeah. turned down supposedly by 120 different lenders. Said, yes. That's a terrible idea. People never pay. Uh, Edison. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thomas Edison, not Thomas Edison. Edison. Um, yes. Uh, wrong E. There's wrong E. <laughs> um, I'm not, I'm not a historical genius. That's for sure. I just, just, just proved that. But yeah. you know, all these people right. have been knocked down. Bill yeah. Gates was turned down 50 sometimes with, with trying to develop Microsoft. I mean, but they continue to get up because they knew they had the passion. They knew it, right? Um, yes, Chumbawamba, absolutely. Tub thumping, right? I did knock down. <laughs> That's right. But um, it doesn't matter how successful you are, you're going to get knocked down. And so yeah. do you have the right mindset? And look, some of those knockdowns hurt, but you got to you know, clean up your knee, your skin knee, and get back on a horse. Um, yep. And if you don't have that mindset – Long term, you're not going to be successful. I mean, I, I'm, it's a little bit of harsh reality, but that's my my thought. So most of it is up here, and yeah. even the people who I mentioned that that I mentor now that don't that have the right mindset, but they're too afraid to take that leap. Yeah. It's still this that's limiting them. Yep, because they don't have the confidence. They don't they don't see how brilliant they are. They don't see that they have that. And 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 I I I think that anybody watching this would agree. Um, I agree with you, but my question for you is this, you know, I, I've, I've owned businesses 
for the better part of my adult life. And, and, um, I I'm just, I'm not, I don't know how you did it with corporate America. My wife was the global VP of marketing for two different ginormous companies and has sat in the boardrooms and all. And I, that's not me, dude. I am just not that guy, like yeah. seriously. But, <clears throat> you know, I think that there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people get knocked down and I've been, dude, I have been knocked down. I've read, read your book. I've read I've your had, book. Yeah, I've had people dig the hole for me to th shove me into, right? <laughs> right? So, so like, how do you condition your mind? If, if somebody is in that position, because there's plenty of people that start businesses or are entrepreneurs that fall into the hole and they just don't know how, and you know, there's all these, these sayings, if you find yourself in the bottom of a hole, stop digging and blah, blah, that's cute. <laughs> but, but, but the reality is you don't realize you're digging maybe, right? Right. Absolutely. How do you get somebody to have a mindset shift? Because so far, that's what you're saying is this is, it's all between your ears and I don't disagree. I agree 100%. But how do you get them to have that mindset shift? You know, honestly, Ken, I almost feel like that is a difficult um, uh, characteristic to learn. Um, I, I almost feel like to some degree uh, you're, you're born with it or you, you have or you don't. You're born with it or you're, you don't have it. Uh, you're, you're not born with it. Um, you might have so I should, you might have it and you can develop it. Um, so maybe you're at a, at a 50 on a scale of 1 to 100 and you can get to, you know, develop it to a 70 or an 80. But I think there are some people who are born at a, you know, on a scale of 1 to 100, they're, 0 to 100, they're born at 105. Um, and I think I'm fortunate enough to be someone like that. And a lot of the people you mentioned, you know, earlier, uh, the Gittimers, the, the Cardones of the world, the, the Brandon Bornansons, um, yeah, yeah. Th those people have that. I mean, they're, they're, they're born at 105 and they're just kicking butt and taking names and they have that mindset because I, at least in my experience, especially with, with mentoring people and um, being an advisor and things like that to, to on boards, it seems to me it's very, it's difficult to develop that. Again, you have, if you're not wired that way, it's hard to just tell someone, you know, hey, well, you just got to use that as fuel. And they go, fuel for what? To make right. me more depressed? Like, this sucks. Right. I, I failed. And, you know, um, because I, I don't know. It's just been my experience. It's I think it's difficult to develop that. You have to have so, you have to be born with some level of it. Like, again, again, making this little example, you got to be at least at a 50. And I think a lot of people were born at 10. And they're never going to get above 50. Like they could work their butts off and try to change that. But in the back of their mind, subconsciously, they just aren't wired to think that way. I, I, I think that, and and I'm just going to interject a little bit of my opinion. I, sure. I think that, that, you know, and I wrote about this in my book that, you know, pain is the predecessor of all wisdom. And, and, you know, Tony Robbins says that, you know, we're all human beings are doing everything in, in our power unconsciously to avoid pain and gain pleasure. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the trick is, is go through the pain, the fear, cause it's almost always just made up crap in our head. Right. Right. Like, yep. So we're going through all this fear that isn't even real. And, and I've been there, man. I mean, I've been there a thousand times. Like it, it's, you know, maybe more, but you know, 
so I think that it can be learned. I do think it can be learned. I think that you have to, you have to, it's what you said a, a minute ago, if I, if I can recall, had something to do with uh, perseverance and, and consistency, Consistent right? perseverance. Yep. Yeah. So, so you just have to be, you, you're going to feel the pain. You're going to feel the terror. You're going to lose sleep at night. You're going to go through all of that. Even after you hire Mr. Biz, <laughs> you're still going to have those moments you know, maybe, maybe not after, after you've gone in and worked your magic for a while, but there's still going to be moments where they're like terrified still. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, it's it, depending on the life cycle of your business. I mean, you know, it's like one of those things that I talk about, you know, cash flow. So I wrote my first book was about cash flow because that's a prevalent problem. Like all businesses, people don't realize this. And I think a lot of people, a lot of business owners get a little bit ashamed because they say, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm in this position. I should have known better. Amazon had a cash flow crunch like 10 years ago. Yeah. And they're not, they weren't as big as they are now, but they were still giant back then. Yeah. But they had made plans on growth and were spending and investing in the business based on the, the sales they thought, the revenue they thought they, thought they were going to have. Yep. And their, their revenue was drying up. It was much lower than they ex expected. So they ran into a cash flow crunch. There's no shame in having that. It's just, you know, figuring out how to get past that. But, the point being is that that same thing is, you, you, yeah, absolutely. You're going to have a product launch that you're going to do some research on. You're going to be like, oh my gosh, this is going to be killer. You're going to launch it and they're going to get crickets. Yep. And so it just happens, you know, it just uh, happens. Um, but you got to, again, figure out, okay, with that product launch, was it the product? Are we delivering it poorly? Was it the marketing? Is it is the market just not ready for it? Is it just a crappy product that we, you know, thought was great that really isn't great? Right. You know, sort of making that decision of when you face those those challenges, how do you learn from it? When is it time to cut your losses and move on? When is it time to double down and say, you know what? We almost we were at the precipice and we've dropped off. Let's yeah. go back to the precipice and let's charge ahead and keep going. Um, but, you know, that consistent perseverance, I, I use that all the time, that phrase, because it's so, so, so important in, in everything. I mean, not just in your business life, in your personal life and your you know, in your marriage, your wife's going to get, my wife gets mad at me about things, right? I mean, I can't just say, oh, well, she, my wife hates me. I'm a right. terrible husband or, you know, I, right, I right. You know, figure out how to, how to, how to get through those things and how to get better at them and, and use that as, okay, back to the Edison, not Einstein, but Edison. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, of, of, okay. That's one way not to do it. Right. Leaving right. my socks on the floor makes my wife mad. So, okay. I'm not going to leave my socks on the floor anymore. Right. 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 <laughs> Well, we, we got, we got a puppy that solved that problem because if you leave your socks on the floor, the puppy starts chewing them. So, yeah, but, so, so, you know, I, I think though that, um, I, I just had a thought, I, I need to start writing stuff down, but you know, the cash flow thing that you talk about, um, I know of a guy, a friend that has a hundred million dollar a year company, hundred plus million. Um, and, and, you know, one time this, this dude told me a story about being, um, maxed out on his five credit cards maxed and was $400,000 in debt on credit cards, putting payroll on his credit cards. Right. Oh. And, and was, and had filed bankruptcy prior to this. And, and here he was back in a, in a position, but he kept showing up. 
And there, it's just like marriage, man. Sometimes you and your wife can just almost hate each other, but you just keep showing up, right? Like, I don't mean hate each other, I, you know, but yeah. but like yeah. there's there's times where you just have to, like, you just, you got to just hang in there, man. It, 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 you get through it. And, and now, you know, this, this individual I'm speaking of has, you know, a hundred plus million dollar a year company and his, his children and grandchildren will never have to worry about money. So, but he didn't give up. He kept showing up no matter what he kept showing up. Yeah. And perseverance. it's, that's it, man. It's, it's, you gotta, and it has to be, it is, there is, I think there's a, um, I think you'd agree with this. There's something fundamentally wrong with a person like that emotionally <laughs> or <laughs> mentally. Like, like I, I'm just going to put myself through unbelievable mental and emotional abuse. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. you don't even know what the goal is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. And I'm sure you've experienced this too. I know again, after having read your book and known some of your backstory, is I'm sure you have friends that are not entrepreneur, you know, don't have the entrepreneurial brain and they look at you and they go, what the heck are you doing? Like, this is crazy. They're the types that say, I am the corporate person. I want that, that nice safe paycheck every two yeah. weeks. You know, I, I can't even imagine like having to go out and sell and having to find clients and having to, you know, figure out marketing and, and all that kind of stuff. Whereas I look at that and I go, oh man, this is a new challenge. Right. Let's do this, man. You know? know. So, so for somebody that's, that's, um, I don't know if you heard me tell this story or not, but I had a, um, one day and it was, it was, I don't know, maybe, um, a year or two after my wife and I had met and we had a baby and all that. And, um, you know, I had, uh, four or five, um, employees and one day in, in our new office, one day this, uh, this this employee walks in he goes um hey boss and i go yeah and he goes there's and i'm in a meeting he goes there's some dude um are on the phone there's some dude looking in the windows of your suv and i go well i'm on the tell him to get the hell out of here right what? you know and he's like well i would but he has it blocked with his tow truck <laughs> I'm like, Oh God, no, no. And, and so, you know, that was a humiliating, probably the worst day of my life in business. And, and because all of my employees are like, they're getting paid. Everybody's getting paid except me. And, and I'm like, I, you know, I was at the end of my rope and I think that there's a lot of people that get there and they feel absolute desperation and hopelessness and, and all of that stuff. What do you say to somebody that, that would call you up and say, Ken, I, I'm, I, I've done everything I know how to do. I am, um, I, I'm, I, I'm dying here, man. My car was repoed. My electric's being shut off. I, I've, I've done everything I know what to do. What do you say to that person in that moment to help get them over the hump and, and to push forward. Yeah. I mean, at that point, I, as a matter of fact, I got a client I just started working with yesterday. That's kind of sort of not quite that extreme, but he's kind of in that boat. Yeah. Um, it's funny. You even mentioned that story. Um, I know that was in your book, but um, he, we had that exact, almost that exact type scenario. He and I were talking 
and we met before his employees were showing up. And literally, all of, I'm in the middle of telling him something. He goes, hey, by the way, uh, my employees are going to start showing up. Let's not talk about how we're struggling. Because I, right. I, I don't want my employees getting nervous and you know start looking for another job and thinking we're going to go bankrupt. Or That's like a that. legitimate fear, man. Right. Well, yeah, because think about it. I mean, he's struggling as it is. Yeah. And if the employees start to think, man, I might have a job. They start looking. Then he loses his resource. Right. Now he's really screwed, right? Yeah. Um, but no, I think, you know, what we, what we do is we sat down and we went through everything. Okay. What's working and what's not. And frankly, some of it was, okay, we're not going to do these services anymore. They are not profitable. We cannot do them. We cannot price them and be competitive in the marketplace for because of the overhead of variety of different things we have. These particular products are unprofitable for us. We're just digging ourselves a giant, hole. you know, we're running in quicksand trying to make it with these products for right now. Because right now we just need money in the stinking door, right? right. We got we got to get some, you know, make it uh, put together a debt extinguishment plan. Uh, and so, how do we do that? We need cash. We need money, right? So, what are our most profitable? What are our highest margin products? Let's push the crap out of those. Um, it, it, the answer isn't just, you know, his whole thing was he's like, well, I'm just going to raise my prices. I'm like, okay, but where are you versus your competitors? So, yeah. again, not getting too far in the weeds on it, but. You know, for me, it's 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 talking with that person and doing a, an overall evaluation of the business and, and where they're at mentally as well. Because, again, it could be that person is maybe they are just not cut out to be an entrepreneur going back to that. Yeah. Um, or maybe they are and they're just overwhelmed at that moment because we all have our moments. I've had it myself where, you know, you know, I lost two clients uh, at one point last year. One of them sort of graduated and need a full time CFO. So I knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, they were a large client, helped them find a full-time CFO, helped them interview, helped them select. And then right on top of that, lost my second biggest client. So all of a sudden, Jeez, big drop yeah. in the revenue, right? It's like, yeah. holy crap, you know, yeah. what is this? You know what I mean? So, and it was, I was mad at myself because I hadn't developed enough of some of my other revenue streams to to be able to have some balance. Um, and so that was a big lesson for me even to say, gosh, man, what, do, what the heck have I been doing? I've been focused so much. And Honestly, I've been focused on too many different things at one time, but going back to that person in that distressed situation is just evaluating everything, the business as well as your mental outlook on things and how do we make this work, right? What's right. not working? Let's get rid of that crap. What is working? There definitely have to be parts of the business that are working. Let's accentuate those. Let's let's really push those to get that money in the door, to start you know, pay, paying down that debt, um, to keep your car, to keep, keep making your house payment, <laughs> right. uh, all that kind of stuff. But but again, some sometimes I would say, I mean, I haven't run across it yet, but sometimes it might be this this, this isn't your jam, right? Uh, you know, uh, again, it's, sometimes it's a harsh reality of, you know, you might need to go back to you know, this the new client. He used to sell cars, you know, and, wow. and we're not, you know, we're we're, we're charging ahead. Yeah. He's got a great business model. Um, he's he's that he's the avatar for what I explained earlier of the people that I help most is that he's really good at what he does. But right. he's not a business person. Right, right, right. <laughs> and so he yeah. doesn't think of things that way. So, you know, he's telling me about we're talking about each of his products and services, and he just thinks of things on a gross basis. So, oh, I have revenue and I pay a contractor this much. And so I make this much. I'm like, is, is, this, <laughs> office, is this office space free? Right. right? Your right. landlord lets you stay here for free. What about all this equipment you have? Did they, did right. they give you that for free? Right. He, he wasn't considering all the administrative overhead, things like that. But, um, so some, we had some simple fixes we can have with that, but 
a lot of that is, like I said, is is really taking an evaluation of not only the business, but I think the person themselves as yeah, well. Sure. Wow, man. Um, so we're I can't I cannot believe it. we're we're at fifty six minutes into this already. That's 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 that went by like that. Yeah. So yeah. so. Okay, so how much is it to get into your um, mentorship? Pro I mean, I'm sure you have different levels. Uh, is there a is there a fixed price or is there a? Yeah, the Mr. Biz Solutions is uh, is one ninety nine a month, and wow. uh, you get access to to me, um, live access a couple times a month, and then all these other experts as well. Um, yeah. Jeez. One ninety nine a month to to like have access to a, a CFO. Yeah. Is it and an attorney www.mrbiz. I'm I'm going to put a, a ticker across the bottom solutions.com. Yep. Yep. Dude, that's awesome, man. So so 199 a month and they can be and it includes these group coaching calls on Zoom or whatever? Yeah, live Zoom. And we archive all of them. So um, a lot of times people say, oh, geez, you know, I'm going to miss the attorney one this month. Well, no worries. You can pre-submit questions. And that's how we do the session. So we wow. typically each expert will cover a topic that's pertinent and, and timely in their area of expertise to start for the first five, 10 minutes of the Zoom. And then they answer questions that were pre-submitted. So that way, if you have a question, let, let's say, Ken, you were in and you had a question, a legal question about intellectual property. You yeah. submit it ahead of time. You don't have to go through the whole Zoom when you watch it, the, the recording yeah. afterwards. The questions all get answered in the beginning. So you don't have to you know, muddle through all the other junk um, and listen to everyone else's questions and the live questions and things like that. Um, but yeah, so you pre-submit the questions and we answer them and all that kind of stuff. We have a private Facebook group. So uh, you know, we help people in there as well as a lot of the members help each other. You know, um, yeah. Hey, I'm having this problem. Is anyone else running into this? Oh, yeah. My gosh, I had that problem too. Here's what you need to do. Here's a great resource, that kind of thing. So. Dude, that is awesome, man. That's awesome. I love it. You know, I, <clears throat> I can't believe we've, I mean, we've known each other now, what about, about six months or a year? Yeah. Something like that. Because of this guy right here. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mr. Alt. Yes. Jason Alt, my brother. So, so, um, man, it's been great to like get to know what you do and get to know you on a deeper level. We keep threatening to meet for lunch. <laughs> yes. Yes. And what's funny is I'm over in that area quite often. And I always forget you're over in that area. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I pop up uh, your way usually about once a month. We got to get together, man. So Ken, I, I thank you for coming on and sharing some of your wisdom. So MrBizSolutions.com, is that the best place for everybody to start as far as following you and looking at your programs and mm -hmm. all of that? Yeah. And, and we've got uh, all our social media links on there too. So I do a ton awesome. of stuff. I share stuff on all the platforms, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Facebook, especially every at least five days a week um lots of stuff on the weekends i do a lot of videos i do a lot of facebook lives um and then i take requests right i'm like casey Kasem back in the day wow. i take requests uh as far as someone will say hey you know what can you do a video about what, what are, give me some tips on my invoicing what are some things yeah. that i need to make sure that i have on my invoice you know things like that technical things that can help with cash flow things like that but 
And so and then I'll do a video on it um, and, wow. and do a quick four or five minute video and do a Facebook Live and, and try to help people out with that too. You I'm know, I'm friends with Casey Kasem's daughter, Carrie. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's funny. She watches this once in a while. Yeah. So um, so that that's cool, dude. I, I think that, um, you know, first off, everybody watching this, if you have a business um, or you're thinking about starting a business or you have a, a side hustle um, business or anything, you should be following Ken and, and go over to MrBizSolutions.com click on all of his social media and, and follow this cat, man. Cause he knows Eat up the free content. Eat up the free content. Yeah. I got a YouTube channel. Just go search Mr. Biz on YouTube. I've got probably, I don't know, a hundred videos out there. Um, tons of free stuff. That's awesome, man. What's uh, before we go one last tip for anybody struggling right now to help them, help them get over the hump. Leave them with some words of, of fire here. Come on, man. Uh, Bring it. Words of fire. Um, I mean, you got to You got to be again. I go back to it, but you got to be consistent. Have to use consistent perseverance, man. You're going to get knocked down. All of us get knocked down. I get knocked down. You got to keep getting up. You have to get up. You and, and again, I know it sounds very cliche, but remember your why. Whatever your why is, it should be sitting on your desk. It should be where you see it often to remember why you're doing it. Is it because you want to, you know, leave a legacy for your children? Is it because you want to? help your parents in retirement. I mean, whatever your why is, you got to make sure it's, it's, it's around you often because when you hit those lulls, if you have that why, whether it's a picture of your family or, you know, uh, Steve Harvey was at GrowthCon last year and he mentioned he's got essentially a vision board, yeah. but on, on, a, on a business card size thing and he keeps it with him every day. He literally, Cardone was uh, interviewing him. He pulled it out of his pocket. Yep. He said, this is, this is it. This is my why. And so when I'm having tough times, I pull this card out and I look at it and within about 20 seconds, I'm firing brimstone right kick some butt again, you know? Yeah, dude, that's awesome, man. That was, that was an incredible interview with, yeah, with it was awesome. I didn't know a lot of Steve Harvey's backstory. So hearing that yeah. was, it was awesome. Yeah. I had no that. idea. Yeah. Well, Ken, thank you, man. I appreciate you coming on and, and um, telling your story and sharing a lot of nuggets and wisdom. You're a good dude. Everybody, make sure you go follow this guy. So, yeah, I appreciate you having me. It was awesome. Yeah, this was. This was great. So we will see you guys, uh, I think, here in the next day or two. So, Ken, don't hang up on me. I'm going to end the live stream. Thank you to everyone who shared this out and spent time with us this morning. Have an awesome day. Tuesday. Is today Tuesday? Today is Tuesday. Tuesday. Yes. That, that, that daylight saving time got you. <laughs> I know, man. You know, I've adjusted pretty well, actually. Yeah. This time, so, yeah. All right, Ken. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. See you guys yeah. later. Appreciate it. All right.